The Yankees are shipping out of Boston with zero wins. It was a weekend to forget for Aaron Boone's team getting swept by the Red Sox, making it 0-6 against their AL East rival this season. What happened to the Yanks? Are the Red Sox the best team in the division? Are the Yankees just a mediocre baseball team? We'll discuss with our friend, the tremendous actor and Yankees fan, Nick Taturo. Strap in, get ready for some electroshock therapy on the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. All right, here's a Pinstripe Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our New York Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees great Jeff Nelson. You'll hear our producer Jake Brown as well during the show. Follow the entire crew on the Twitter machine. That's at Chris Sheeran, yes, at NYNelly43 and at Jake Brown Radio. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and write it in a nice review. We do appreciate it. Joining us later in the show is a passionate Yankees fan, actor, and friend of the show, the always entertaining Nick Turturro. You're going to want to hang out for that. But first, let's bring in Jeff Nelson. And Jeff, you know, I got to give you credit because I thought the Yankees were kind of busting out of this, but you kind of threw the lasso around me and pulled me back into reality and said, this is a roller coaster. And we've seen the highest of highs, and that was sweeping the White Sox. That was taking two out of three from the Houston Astros. They went into Buffalo. They swept away the Toronto Blue Jays. But this team, when they give you that, they also take it away by losing all six games so far to the Boston Red Sox. Nelly, this is a team that I just can't figure out. Yeah, I agree. You know, it was disappointing because, you know, they beat the A's two out of three and then uh, the Royals, they should have beat two out of three and they almost didn't, but they did. And you think, okay, maybe they're going into the weekend with some confidence. And we said on Monday that they have to go in or Thursday, they have to go in to the weekend with a statement, make a statement. After getting swept at home, you got to have that edge. You got to say, hey, there nobody comes in our house and sweeps us. Okay, we got to pay them back a little bit. They didn't. I mean, they let the Red Sox, you know, win three again. I mean, not let them, but, you know, they rolled over on them. And then the next thing you know, you have Cole, he, your ace. You're thinking, okay, we got to win this one. We were expected to at least win one game. It's going to be with our ace. And he gets beat. He gives up three home runs in five innings. Uh, it's a nine to two ball game. It's just disappointing because it is a roller coaster. I had to dial it back myself a little bit thinking okay maybe they did bust out of it when they played well against Houston and then also sweeping the White Sox maybe they are getting that fire in their belly because they didn't have that before and all of a sudden you go in to Detroit you get swept and it's like okay you know I, I can't get too high on this team or too low on this team until September and when you look at it they're just not good right now they're not a good enough team to make the playoffs they're not a good enough team to compete with about five or six teams in the American League they're much better than the New York Yankees right now they're Six and a half out in the East as we tape this on Sunday night. They're five and a half out of the wild card. And they have Toronto and Cleveland to leapfrog to get into the wild card discussion. Right now, Tampa Bay and Oakland are your wild card teams. And the division winners are Boston, Chicago, and Houston. But we're a long way. I hate that if the season ended today. Well, guess what? It doesn't. But when you go up to Boston, Nelly, and you know as well as anybody, Fenway Park when you go into that building, you are expected to win. You are not expected to lose. This is ownership, management, fans, 
everybody. You don't want to go into Boston and lose a game. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's different now. I know back in your heyday, it was win or, you know, wait for someone that's lurking in the clubhouse with a turtleneck and a sport jacket on <laughs> in Mr. Steinbrenner. But 18-7 was the runs per game. 18 for the Red Sox, obviously. Seven for the Yankees. They lost 5-3, 4-2, and 9-2. That game on Sunday... An absolute embarrassment. The Red Sox averaged six runs per game. The Yankees under three runs per game. This is not the performance you want if you're wearing the road grays of the New York Yankees with the green monster casting that gigantic shadow on you, Nelly. It just magnifies everything that's going on. You take the Yankees three-game sweep at Fenway and everything that went wrong across the board in that three-game sweep And it's kind of like a microcosm of how this first half of the season has gone. And we're 77 games into the season. We're not in April. We're not in May. We're almost in July for crying out loud. This has to get better and it has to get better soon. Well, it's not early anymore. I mean, that excuse, oh, it's still early. We still have plenty of baseball left. You do have some baseball left, but it's not early anymore. And there's no like quiet message. I mean, we played, can you imagine if we lost... Or if we played the way the Yankees have played against the Rays and the Red Sox. In 2000, we backed into the playoffs because the Red Sox lost. So we wound up clinching it in Baltimore. We lost the last six games of the year. And, you know, we went into Tampa. We had Tampa and Baltimore the last six games. All we had to do was win one of those games that we would have clinched in our own. Uh, We had to wait for the Red Sox to lose. We got swept in Tampa. And this is how much Mr. Steinmetter hated to lose and knew that we weren't playing our greatest of baseball. I mean, I think we had, what, 86, 88 wins, whatever it was in 2000 uh, that we wound up winning the East. It was late. We played a night game. We were getting to Baltimore late. And we were the only one. We weren't flying out of Tampa. We were flying out of St. Pete. And, you know, that airport, I think, closes like 11 or whatever. So whatever kind of pool Mr. Steinbrenner had, we were flying out of there at that airport. We were the only ones flying out of that airport. I got swept by the race. We sat on the runway for almost two hours with no drinks. The waitresses says, oh, they didn't want you have from what they is no alcohol, no food. And we're sitting on the runway, not at the gate, at the runway. And everybody's like, why aren't we leaving? Why aren't we leaving? And, and the next thing you know, they said, oh, we didn't have our paperwork yet. No, it wasn't the paperwork. It was Mr. Steinberger sending a quiet message, said, I don't appreciate you coming into my hometown and getting swept by the Rays and playing crap baseball. Well, we go to Baltimore and it didn't work. We got swept by them anyway. So we, we, we wound up winning. But there's no quiet messages. There's no stabs in the back or something to say, hey, what are you guys doing? I mean, don't you have any pride or any kind of respect to say when these guys are, are rolling over? And that's why I come to the conclusion they're just not that good right now. They're just not that good of a baseball team. I put them at way too high of a pedestal. I didn't give I, I didn't give the Rays enough credit. I didn't think they were going to be this good. And I thought the Yankees going to be a lot better. I thought they were the best team in the American League. They're just not. Well, I'm going to bring this up some when we have Nick Turturro on in just a bit. But our buddy, Paige Hamilton, the front man of the band Helmet, he was texting me today during the game. And here's some choice texts from Paige. They're ruining my summer. My blood pressure and anxiety are through the damn roof. There's another one. They're just making the game harder and swinging for the fences. Situational hitting, as Coney just said, David Cohn. Uh, not sure what Cashman was thinking when he built this right-handed lineup. Look at the dynasty team. 
Oh, by the way, your team, Nelly. Bernie Jorge, switch hitter. Paul O'Neill, Tino, Jeter, Brocious, Curtis, Lede. For sure, so true. Huge mistake. 0-6 against Boston. Wow. Watching Evaldi, Whitlock, and Adovino mow us down is so painful. Three Yanks we let go while we decide to pick up Peralta and uh, Expletive Wilson. Good move. <laughs> so, Paige, <laughs> Paige is not having it. And I tell you right now, if you go back, and Nelly could attest to this too, and so could Jake and Brian for that fact. If you go back and listen to that Paige Hamilton podcast, this is not some bandwagon jumper. This no, is not some run-of-the-mill Yankee about. fan. Yeah. This is a guy like Nick Taturo. He's on the same wavelength. He moved here in the early 80s. When someone calls Dave Winfield Winnie, that's a Yankee fan. I mean, he bleeds pinstripes. If, if you pricked his finger to take a blood sample blue and white would come out honest to god go back and listen to the page hamilton interview but reading those texts you see these fans these passionate fans and and how nelly they are in lockstep with the pulse of this team and it's not just us it's the fans too they see it and i don't want to go out and make a blanket statement like some radio hosts will do and say they have no life there's no life in the clubhouse they don't care that's the thing that I, I'm, I'm very careful not to say. I don't want to say they don't care. When a guy goes in the dugout like a oldest Chapman who didn't want to walk a batter the other night, and he walks a batter, they tie the game, and he's he's really upset, but the Yankees come back and win. That's first and foremost. If if oldest Chapman doesn't care, he's not throwing his mitt. If Glaber Torres doesn't care, he's not going in and beating the hell out of the wall uh, with his glove after he made an error. If Aaron Judge doesn't care... He's not out there working constantly trying to get better. These guys care. You can't say they don't care. Nelly, it's the way that they're built. And I'm sorry, but we talked about this at the top. They might just be a mediocre baseball team. And maybe, just maybe, and this is no shade on Aaron Boone. He's won 100 and 103 games in his past two seasons, and plus the COVID season as well wasn't so good. But I'm talking about the two full seasons he was Yankees manager. He was extremely successful. He won 100 games or more in those two seasons. But maybe, just maybe, Nelly, it's time for a new voice, and these guys have to hear somebody else. Because I tell you what, I was just saying this today. In 2017, that Yankee team had no business being in the ALCS, and Joe Girardi had those guys a game away from being in the World Series. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you in a lot of ways with with some of these guys. They, they, they do care. I mean, you know, this is Major League Baseball. You would at least hope they care and hope they take losing hard. If you're starting to get used to winning or losing and it's just one of those games and say, okay, we'll come back and get them tomorrow, then you definitely have a mediocre team and this team will never go anywhere. If you have a team that, you know, they take losing hard and they want to do something about it, uh, then okay, hey, you know, there's some positives here. They are one-dimensional. They don't make a lot of things happen on the base paths. They don't hit and run. They don't try to manufacture runs. They wait for the big home run. They they try to work walks, and they still do that. And then they wait for the home run. And, and if you're not getting it, you're going to wind up losing. They're not a very good fielding team, and that that's a big, big red flag right there and they don't run the bases very well when they are on the base pass and that's another red flag you know pitching they have some decent starters you know Cole is allowed to flop every now and then but again when it's a big game and you think okay we have to get one out of these three against the Red Sox and all of a sudden you lay an egg that's disappointing you know Montgomery's been up and down he's been a decent pitcher he's not an ace he's not a four or five he's perfect right where he is a two or a three maybe a two and a half or a three uh Herman's been inconsistent Tyone is not the guy that they thought, uh, I don't know if he's holding back or what he's doing, I mean, if he's afraid that he's going to get hurt again. 
but he's got decent stuff. It's just, I think, mental. He, he's not there. Uh, Severino's not going to be there until, what, August, maybe even September. You just have no idea. And, and by then, it, it could be too late. And then you start looking at all the teams ahead of them. Cash when he wants to make a move. But somebody, so does everybody else. I mean, what what kind of move? I mean, how many moves will it take to make this team better? You know, is it just one guy? No, I think it's going to take more. And the other teams are going to want the same things. The Blue Jays already said they're making moves. And you look at the teams in the winter that made the moves. Well, they're the teams that are going to make moves and significant moves in July. And the Yankees really never did that. They never really made that huge move in the wintertime to – make themselves better you know other teams have yeah because we never did a podcast in the offseason if there was something big we would have been back on doing a podcast <laughs> but i'm going to ask nick to this in just a bit but i want to ask you because you actually played for a major league manager but nick you know grew up watching billy martin as the manager of the new york yankees for i think five or six different times but i want to know if you know we, we've seen so many base running blunders we've seen so many errors i know errors happen but if you're making two or three in a game, you got to start scratching your head and maybe you got to put a guy in the corner, much like Baby from Dirty Dancing. But did Joe Torrey, were there repercussions if a guy, I, I know about the kangaroo court. I mean, that was back in the day. I don't know if they still do it now. But when you were playing, Nelly, on, on that Dynasty Yankee team, if somebody had a base running mistake, did they get benched? Did something happen to them? Was there any repercussions for that? Because it doesn't really seem... Like they could do that now because they're going to hurt feelings. And, and I just don't understand that. Well, if there was, then they definitely were benched. You know, you have to you have to set a precedence on a team. I mean, you look at David Ross with the Cubs. I mean, Javi Baez is an extremely good player, one of the most exciting players in baseball. He had an infield blunt, a, a running mistake, and it was horrible, a couple of them. He ran, I think, was one out. He went from first to third on a routine fly ball to left. David Ross made an example out of him, and this was, I think, in the fourth inning, and sat him and said, you know what? I And Ross came out and said, I hated doing it, but I needed to set that example to the rest of the team that this is unacceptable. And the same with Joe Torre. I played for Lou Pinella. Those mistakes are unacceptable. Those are physical errors when you're making errors in the field. That stuff's going to happen. You work at it every day. You take infield practice, outfield practice. But when you make the mental mistakes, that's stuff that you do in spring training. That's not stuff that you do during the regular season. When that stuff happens and you need a gut check, then all of a sudden you have to say, hey, I got to set an example. If I'm the manager or I'm the coach, this guy, everybody has to learn from this. This is not acceptable on the team when you're making mental mistakes. And that's what the Yankees are doing. You know, hopefully things turn around. You know, I think they're still a very good team. I think they can be a very good team. I think they're they're easily pitched to because they are one-dimensional. They are a heavily right-handed team they don't have any left-handed pop and i don't see any that any of them getting that left-handed pop that they need britain now is on the il with it with a hamstring or whatever it was a quad a groin uh, so that's another guy in the bullpen that you were kind of counting on you know this team i just look at them and I, and I watch other teams like the red sox and the rays or the astros they won two out of three against the a's and i think in some ways the a's are still a better team i just don't see the yankees competing right now with those top-of-the-notch American League teams. There's probably five or six of them, seven of them, that are better than the Yankees right now, and I don't know where it's getting better. I don't know how it's getting better. Well, guys, do, do they need a shake-up here? You know, the New York Post uh, did a story ten, uh, Sunday night about the Yankees desperately needing – 
to shake up their roster. So uh, Pete Abraham also tweeted, it wasn't bad enough for the Yankees. Their equipment truck got stuck inside Fenway when it hit the garage door onto Jersey Street. Maybe they leave the equipment <laughs> back in Boston and get a new set of equipment in New York when they face the Angels this week for four games in the Bronx before the Subway Series. But what shakeups to the roster can make sense that could help it? Is it Frazier or your mom? I mean, what do you do here to try to shake things up besides the potential firing of Aaron Boone? Here's one you could actually do. You could reward a guy like Hoy Park, who has been playing well down at AAA Scranton Wilkesbury. I know he plays second base. He's a middle infielder. And I know you have DJ LeMayhew there, and he's not hurt. And you have Luke Voigt back from injury. So there's really not anywhere to put him. But why not give the kid a look? Put him on the bench. Send. T- I don't know if Tyler Wade has any options. That's my bad, and, and I have to look into that. And I will flog myself after we do this podcast for not knowing if he has any options left. But if he has options left, send him back down to AAA and bring Park up and give him some run here with the big league team. Maybe he provides a spark. Maybe that's stupid of me to even think that. But you know what? Sometimes, Nelly, that could get guys going. You look at the shakeup. You have guys that are struggling. I mean, uh, again, uh, you know, Frazier, we're talking July 1st. He's hit, hitting under 200. I know he got a hit on Sunday. But still, you, you know, you look at some of these guys and you're saying why they're hitting under 200. They're not manufacturing runs. They're really struggling at the big league level. But who is going to come up and take their place? Who? Wh- where do you, You're going to shake up the lineup and you're like, okay, what do we have down there to that that fits in? The only place on the Yankee team that you're going to have to that you might have to have a shot to replace is in the outfield. The infield's set. I mean, you're not doing anything with these guys. So, you know, even though this guy Park, you're going to have him bring up and what, sit on the bench? He's, he's lighting it up in AAA that you want this guy to get regular at-bats. He's not taking LeMayhew's spot. He's not going to move LeMayhew to first and take Void out of the lineup. You're not taking Torres. You're not taking Urshela. The whole infield set. So it's kind of hard to make a move and shake things up. I mean, I, I hate the idea of firing managers and, you know, hitting coaches and stuff like that. And that's the last thing. I mean, I know these guys who are my teammates. You know, you know I, I know those guys. But anything, you know, I think that's probably where you shake it up you know i don't know if it's the players and and if who do you have down there to bring up unless you make a trade and shake it up that way i just don't know where it goes i mean you, you look at the hitting coach okay they're not hitting they struck out 13 times again on sunday this has been a a constant with them is it striking out double digit times every time you, you know you, you see you see these guys i mean is it the hitting coach you know i i don't know i hate i hate talking about firing coaches and firing managers but is that the place that you're going to shake it up because i don't see any players being shaken up you have trey ambergy too hitting 356 and triple a right fielders so he maybe he's the other option outside of him and park there's not a, a ton going down and triple a and then chris chris kittens of course yeah I, I just i don't know what they do to shake it up jake but something has to be done because we're talking you know a week ago about we're sitting here saying the Yankees went from nine games back to four and a half games back in six days. They cut off four and a half games. And now they're two games more back because they just got swept by their arch rivals at Fenway park. This is exactly what Nelly says all of the time. Exactly what Nelly says all the time. The only thing I don't want to hear or see on Twitter is that if the Yankees sweep, the angels are terrible. If the Yankees don't take at least three or four from Los Angeles, we're looking at a team uh, that's going to be a disaster for the rest of this season. I mean, because right out of the all-star break, their schedule is unbelievably hard. I mean, we're talking about make or break games in the uh, right after the all-star break. Uh, you have four with the Angels. The Mets are playing well. And then you have Seattle for three, Houston for three, who's playing out of their minds right now. 
Then you have the all-star break and then Red Sox for four, Phillies for two, Red Sox for four, Tampa for three. That is a ridiculous stretch of 13 games post all-star break. And if you want to count the Astros, that's 16 games around the all-star break that could make or break this Yankee team. We're going to have to wait and see what happens with that. Coming up first, though, we want to get to Nick Taturo. Uh, He's going to join us next here on the Pinstripe Pod. But before we get to Nick, I just have to say this. One of my dear friends from up here in Stamford, Connecticut, passed away. He was going to be 99. We shared the same birthday on August 9th. He fought in World War II. He was in the Navy. He actually dropped off the troops that had my grandfather six on the island of Leyte in the Philippines. It was amazing how the universe actually brought us together at the gym of all places. Pete, I met him when he was 95 at the gym and I would watch him work out and just be in amazement. I'd be in amazement watching this guy. And then COVID happened and uh, he, he was fully vaccinated, but unfortunately he passed away earlier today. And I have to say I'm, I'm absolutely a thousand percent gutted, but I was honored to know him. Uh, he served our country and I just wanted to dedicate this show to Pete Canetta. So this one's for Pete. And coming up next after this, it's Nick Turturro. Joining us now is friend of the program. You could follow him on Twitter at Nick Turturro one. He was, he's a great actor. He's a huge Yankee fan. Blue Bloods, The Longest Yard, NYPD Blue. Some of my favorite shows and my favorite movie. Nick Turturro, thank you for joining us. It's at Nick Turturro one on Twitter. Thanks for coming on, brother. We appreciate it. My pleasure, Chris. Anytime. You know that. Yeah, I know. And it's just, it's so bad that we have to <laughs> hook up when the Yankees have just lost, got swept by the Red Sox for the second time in 2021. And I know a lot of Yankee fans are putting it out there. Well, they lost eight in a row to the Red Sox in 2009, and they wound up winning the World Series. But Nick, we were talking right before we came on to do this, and it just doesn't seem to me like this is a good baseball team. It it seems like it's a mediocre baseball team and getting swept by the Red Sox in Boston and showing almost no signs of life kind of puts the stamp on that. Yeah, I mean, sort of this series is a microcosm of the whole season. The whole season has been like this. They tease you, they get you a little excited, but they are what they are. They're not very good. They have talent. Can I quote the worst Godfather, Godfather 3, when Michael says, every time I think they're out, they pull me back in? That is the definition of this team. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they, they suck you in, and every Yankee fan is hoping that, you know, maybe they will turn the page, maybe they will play to the back of their baseball cards. They, they have all those kind of phrases, but this is not a good team by any stretch. And they haven't been going in the right direction for a couple of years. So I think now it's just kind of, you know, reared its ugly head. And from the top down, what I've seen on this team is not good. I mean, I, I don't like the look or the body language of the team. They don't play with an urgency. Nobody, I'm not saying they don't care, but the chemistry, it doesn't feel like a real cohesive bunch. And there's so many, so much wrong with this team. They can't hit with men on base. They can't get a simple sack fly. They strike out left and right. They're a double play machine. I mean, you could go on and on and on. 
I don't think I could disagree with you, Nick. You know, I, I you know, we I told Chris the other day, uh, maybe even last week, I, you can't get too high on them. I, I can't. It's like a roller coaster ride. I said, I got to wait and see what happens in September because every time, like you mentioned, they get you up, you know, they win two out of three against Oakland or, you know, that time when they played and they beat two out of three against Houston and then they sweep the White Sox and then they go in Detroit and they get swept by one of the worst teams in baseball. It's a lackluster team in a lot of ways. We talked about this earlier in the year and, you know, they started getting a little bit better. I thought they were a little bit more focus next thing you know they go down and I was tired of riding a roller coaster I said I'm tired you know I'm going to wait till September and see what happens but they're a bad base running team they're a very poor fielding team it's you know to me and they can't do anything about it right now I think they were stuck they should have done something about it in the winter Gleyber Torres is a second baseman his best numbers when he was at second base he had 24 home runs 38 home runs ever since you moved him to short he hasn't hit over three. Three in the short season last year. He's only got three this year. He's just taken that infield, the bad infield that he has, and he's taken it right to the plate. It's not a complete team. I mean, they have too many holes, and then your best pitcher in Cole goes out and he gets lit up today against the Red Sox when you need a win. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, you, you figured with Cole, maybe he'll, you know, restore order. And even he laid an egg today, came out flat as a button, and that pitch that he made to Devis was just ridiculous. I mean, come on. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if it's a whole sticky thing. I You know, I don't want to buy into that crap too much, but, you know, you're looking for more from him, but you're right. Glaber is not a shortstop by any means. You could hide him at second base. I mean, offensively, I don't know what this guy, man. He's, his swing is so long. It's so, you know, and then they look at third strikes left and right. How many times are you going to look at a third strike? Swing the bat. I don't even care if you miss, but swing the bat. Give us more than that. You know, you get first and second. You get the bases loaded. Adovino had nothing yesterday. He was handing it to them. He was putting it right in their face. That was a game they could have taken. And who knows? Maybe if they were a better team, they could have taken it. They are what they are. You're right. Maybe they're an 85-win team, not a championship team. I don't care what Brian Cashman says. I don't care what Aaron Boone says. Maybe there is time for a change. Maybe they need some fresh blood because they're like sort of a bloodless, I don't know, corporate. They just don't have the spirit. I don't, I, I'm looking for somebody on this team. I mean, you know, there's not too many good baseball players other than like LeMayu and, you know, Judge who's been in and out. But, you know, LeMayu is a good player. I'm not worried about him so much. And even he hasn't played to his capability this year. But it's a, it's not a good team. They're going to have to blow it up. They got to make some big changes. They got to. Otherwise, come on, who are you kidding? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack with what you just said said, but everything you said is spot on, Nick. Absolutely. And again, I, I, I have to reiterate, I hate when we bring you on and we're talking about this stuff because I'd much rather talk about... I don't. I like the rant. <laughs> I, I, I like want to hear rants. I love the Twitter rants. I mean, I, I listen to them all the time. I don't want to calm Nick Totoro. I don't want to calm Nick Totoro. <laughs> And a calm Nick Totoro is not funny anyway. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing <laughs> funny about calm Nick Totoro. But listen, I, I, I'm rooting for them. It's not like I'm not rooting for them. But, it, you know, sitting, it's painful, man. Painful. And they're not even fun to watch. They're not even, I've watched Yankee teams in my past that didn't win. But they were a fun, interesting team. Teams in the early 70s, even in the 80s with Donnie Baseball, they had no pitching and they had guys like Steve Trout and Joe Cowley, whatever. But they were fun to watch. This bunch is uninteresting, uninspiring from the manager down. I don't, I'd get in the locker room. I'd, I'd go nuts. They got to do something. I mean, this year, it's, it's just really a lame duck team. I, I just, it is what it is. And you know what? You, you can see the writing on the wall. They're going to keep giving you the same old junk. They're going to keep telling you, oh, you know, we're, we're in there. We're fighting. We're, we're going to, we're going to, oh, I can't take this wonder bread kind of like, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, cartoon character that he is. I don't even want to say his name. But it's just, and, and not, not, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he's a hella, I'd like to have a beer with him, whatever. Not the manager. Not the manager. Please. We got to do something. We got to do something. Like I said, there's a lot to unpack with everything you just said. But the reason we have you on is because you watch every second of every game and you're passionate. I want to about- boycott them. I do. I want to boycott, but I'm a sick person. I can't. I might. I walk away. And I go, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'll never watch another ring. And then three seconds later, my daughter goes, I thought you said you were done. I said, yeah, I know what I said. But what I say and how I feel are two different things. That's a line from the honeymooners. You know, Jackie Gleason, yeah. he said that yeah. about Norton. He said, what I say about Norton is one thing. How I feel about him is another. So I still love them, even though I don't like them. If that makes sense. Yeah, so here's here's my thing, because Nelly and I talk about this every week on this podcast, and I want to get your thoughts on this. And you brought up Glaber, and I'm just curious, because when Glaber first came over here from the Cubs system, he was a different guy. And Jeff and I talked about this back on last Thursday, and I said the worst thing that could have happened to this guy was hitting uh, 38 home runs in 2019. And Jeff brought up a great point. Where was he playing that year? He was playing second base. Didi Gregorius was playing shortstop. So here's the thing, okay? I see so many of these guys, and I'm taking Gio Urshela, I'm taking DJ LeMahieu, and I'm taking Aaron Judge out of this mix because I've I've been in the clubhouse, and I've talked to Aaron Judge, and I need to say this. This guy cares. If someone's going to say that this guy doesn't care, I will fight them to the death. This guy does care, and he knows what the pinstripes mean, and he knows what putting that uniform means to the fans as well. This guy gets it. He truly gets it. He tries his best. You know, when he was swinging at the first pitch, he was hitting the crap out of the ball. But here's my question. Why is it that every other guy in this lineup is the same guy? And when they get two strikes, Nick, and I brought up the fact that you watch every game and you watch every at bat, I watch it as intently as you do and as intently as Nelly does. The guys aren't shortening up. They're not trying to go the other way. They don't have any two strike approach. It's all the same. It's swing as hard as I can and try to hit the damn ball to Montana. I don't understand it. If they would just dial it back a bit, Nick, and I just want to hear your thoughts. What do you think from there at bats? Take out Urshela, take out Judge, take out LeMahieu. What about all the other guys? And, and don't talk about Gardner because Gardner is supposed to be a fourth outfielder. And every year he's supposed to be a fourth outfielder. This guy gets thrown into the starting lineup. Because Aaron Hicks can't stay on the damn field. So everybody but Gardner, what the hell is going on with these at-bats, Nick? Listen, I'm not inside these guys' heads or bodies. I don't know what, you know, what makes them tick. But from what I've seen and what I've observed is they just don't have the right. They're all kind of the same type of hitters, and they don't have the right approach. I mean, you look at these other teams. How come they can get their bat on the ball? How come they can make contact? How can they, you know, manufacture a freaking run? You tell me, I mean, do you have to sit them down individually and say, can you make a conscious effort to get your freaking bat on the ball? Can you do this? I mean, I don't, these guys are pros, man. They're pros, but maybe they're just a bad bunch. They, you know, they don't have the right cohesive. They don't have the right chemistry. It's like a relationship, you know? You go in and you say, hey, you know, it's not there. It's just not there. I mean, when they made that Stanton trade, that was the beginning of the end because the Twin Towers didn't work. Nothing against the guy. You know, when he's hitting home runs, but other than that, when he's chopping trees down, you just it's brutal to watch. You could see it coming. You go, you're going to strike down. 
They're going to strike out. You just, you know what's coming. Or it's a double play. You can almost feel it coming. And it's like, I don't know. It, it, this team is, um they make up. I don't see it. I don't see like a winning culture. Look at the Red Sox. They won in 04. They won in 07. They won 13, 18. They got a winning culture. They're waxing our ass. They're waxing. The Rays are waxing our ass with all our money down the tubes. Come on, man. All these baseball geniuses, they, they don't know how to evaluate pitching. Look at this guy Whitlock today. They gave up on him, yet they stay with Sessa. Sessa, come on. I mean, give me a break. He don't belong on the team. Am I right, Nelly? Come on, he don't belong on the team. Luis Sessa, what is he doing on that team? What do these guys do? What are they looking at? I don't understand. It's nothing personal. You got to build differently. You got to, you know, you got to look and tear it down. When they rebuilt, it was when, you know, Gene Michael and these guys came in and Jay Nelson was there in the mid 90s. They built, you know, within and then they made trades. They got, no, they, they, this team is a mess. They were good in 17 and then they went the wrong way. They went the wrong way and they never got back and they think they can just bash their way to a home run. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. I could go, you know, I could do a monologue. I'm doing a monologue. Well, I mean, look at the teams, Nick. I mean, guys, look at the teams ahead of them. I mean, I mean you, the trade deadline is going to be coming up here in another month. I mean, we're hitting in July. Uh, you know, you hear Cashman all the time. I'm presenting all kinds of options to the Steinbrenners, even maybe going over the $210 million threshold. I mean, every team is going to be looking for the same thing. The Yankees are not. I mean, unless they're willing to give up some talent, David Garcia, whatever, and trying to get somebody. But will that one person make them just as good as the Red Sox, just as good as the Rays? You look at the White Sox, even though they swept the White Sox, I still don't think they're as good as the White Sox. They're not as good as the Astros. You know, they might be a sixth or seventh place team or eighth place team in the American League right now. And one player is not going to make a difference for them. I mean, and the other teams are going to add. And you talked about, okay, they're everybody's the same. They are the same because you look at this team. They don't play small ball. They don't know how to play small ball. You look at the Red Sox. Alice Cora has made a huge difference over there because they play small ball. They know how to manufacture a run. They're going to get Chris Sale back. They'll probably make another move to better the team. You know, you look at the Rays. The Rays are all about small ball. They're all about analytics, maybe way too much, but they're all about small ball. The Astros, same thing. The White Sox. You think La Russa doesn't play small ball with those guys? Just because the Yankees swept them? Okay, you caught them at the right time. They got good pitching. They'll add as well. I just don't see right now where the Yankees, if they add one or two guys, are going to be right there or going to put them over the top, that they're going to be able to be one of the better teams in the American League. There's not. No, you're right. You're right. And even if they do sneak in, are they going to, you know, make go far and make noise? Come on, they're not. Not with this team. This team doesn't win in the postseason. They don't do the little things to win championships. When we won all those championships, we weren't a home run hitting team. We weren't. We had a lot of balance. And, and you know, we have no lefties. That's a joke. When a stadium that is basically a fly ball by a left-handed hit is a home run, and you got no left-handed hitters, that is a complete joke that the whole team is righty. The whole team. I mean, come on. You can't bring in a couple of lefty bats. I mean, to balance that line about, that's ridiculous. The Yankees were always been left-handed their whole history in the 70s when they had nettles and chambliss and reggie you know and, and even when they had o'neill and tino and bernie switch hitter they always had lefties you got you take him win with just a righty team not in the short- they had a chance to go out and get schwarber and then pass it oh up. he was I mean, perfect not, who knows i mean he's having a great year but at the same time he's not a great defensive guy and again having stanton as a total dh really hurts this team because when sanchez is going well you got to sit him and it's it's because San, because stanton go can't go out in the outfield but they had a chance they took could have taken a flyer on schwarber and look what he's doing now with the nationals he's gonna get traded somewhere he's 
he's not going to be there the whole year. He's going to get traded somewhere. And, and, you know, the Yankees had a chance. What does this team look like? What does this team look like, guys, if they keep Didi Gregorius instead of getting Giancarlo Stanton, they sign Bryce Harper and they also have Kyle Schwarber? What does this team look like? And how are they doing now if they have those three lefties in the lineup? I mean, I, I don't know about Bryce Harper. If they had Schwarber, I tell you the guy they should have got, and Jeter, he duped us on it. Uh, he really stuck it to us because they, you know, the, the Cardinals, these other guys wanted Stanton. He should have went there. Should have went. What we needed was that other kid, Yelich. He would have been perfect. That kid Yelich would judge, and then if you added a Schwarber, you would have had a squad. You would have had a squad. That's why you need a guy like me as a GM, not these guys. They just went for the sexy move. I hate to say it, but you know. I would make a better move than some of these clowns. It's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, Schwarber, you know, he's limited. But you know what? That guy's built like Nelly said. He's like built born to pit in Yankee Stadium. That would be a no-brainer. But now we're limited because we got this guy. We can't move him. I say you got to eat the contract. You got to do something. You're going to have to make a bolt. A sta- you know, you're going to have to. You can't go on like this. This is, re- And you might have to think about trading Glaber. I mean, maybe, you know, you get a lot for him. And you go get a real shortstop. And you got to get a center field. You got to get athletic. Enough of this crap. Enough of this, you know, uh, home run stuff. It, it's not working. They got to, you know, be realistic and look look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. If any of you guys had the San Francisco Giants as the first team to 50 wins in Major League Baseball, I will fly out to you and give you a hundred, a crisp $100 bill. Look at the Oakland. Well, I mean, look at their pitching. They do the same thing. They do small ball. And, you know, we've had Ken Singleton, a lot of baseball guys on here, and they've said that the Yankees, when they win championships, they have left-handed power. When the last time they won an 9 they had left-handed power. Matsui, they had Switzer. They had left-handed power. Teixeira, they don't have any left-handed power. And look where they've been. They've not gone anywhere. They've gone to the AL- ALCS a couple times. But that's it. Right-handed predominant teams are easy to pitch to. Easy to pitch to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's completely right. They That team was loaded with lefties, Johnny Damon, Matsui. And then they dumped those guys the next year, and they tanked. They made a bad move because those guys were – Johnny Damon knew how to hit in Yankee Stadium. Matsui knew how to hit there. You know, Melky, they had a whole bunch of lefties. It's ridiculous. You, you don't win with the Yankees with all right-handed. That's common sense, and that has to be addressed. And that, it's not going to happen in, at the trade. I mean, Jeff is right. It's not going to happen. No, no miracles are going to go on. So they got to, you know, think about – what they could do to salvage, you know, the rest of the year and maybe look towards next year because this team, it ain't happening. I'm tired of getting my hopes up. I'm tired of being depressed. Enough is enough. We have a friend of the program and he came on. I, I had no idea that the lead singer, the guy who founded the uh, heavy metal band Helmet, Paige Hamilton, was a Yankee fan. And not only is he a Yankee fan, Nick, he is a great Yankee fan. And he was texting me today. We, we've kept in touch. He actually gave me a guitar lesson, too, on Zoom. But he he said, I just see no fire in the dugout. And, and I'm only bringing this up because this is what I see you say all the time on Twitter. But it's not just you, Nick. It's not just you. He says, I see no fire in the dugout. And they think they need to put the damn iPads away. Science can help, but it's still got to be a see ball, hit ball, catch and throw ball. And he also says, I feel like Cora Cash Montoyo are better managers in our division. Though if your guys don't hit it, makes you look like a bad manager. So he does admit while the team is struggling, you can't really pin the hitting on Boone. But, you know, it's just when it comes down to it, you always hear it. 
Sports Talk Radio in New York, Mike and Chris back in their heyday, Michael K. now, Craig Carton and Evan Roberts. You don't fire 25 guys. Unfortunately, you fire the manager. That's what happens. I mean, you know, that's that's the thing that happens. You can't fire all that. It, it isn't all his fault. No one's saying it's not, but he's the face of the team, and he's kind of, uh, you know, he's a little bit vanilla. He just doesn't have the passion. He doesn't have the – he doesn't have the, you know, the the Paulinis, whatever, the cojones, whatever it is. <laughs> get in somebody's face, man. When these guys can't run the bases, get in his face once or twice. Who cares? Well, they had that in Girardi, and now he's in Philadelphia. Now, now Boone's one of the communication guys. He's one of the ones that he can fluff the egos and all that. See, what I don't like, Nick, and I know you're old school like me and Jeff, the fact that there's no repercussions for base running errors. There's no repercussions for errors. If that was Billy Martin in the dugout, or if that was Joe Girardi in the dugout, if they made a base running error like that, they would, to put it lightly and to put it on a family podcast, they would be grabbing some bench. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They wouldn't go back in the game, or they wouldn't get rewarded with a start the next day. You know what? Sit on the bench and think about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to make a statement. I managed in Little League once, and I had a, and it was rough. It's not easy to be a manager. It's not easy. But, you know, listen, you you got the job. You, you know, you got to talk the talk, walk the walk. I mean, he's had a shot. It's just not, you know, he's what he calls guy. I understand he's very corporate. But you look at those guys, Cora, and you look at the other guy, Cash, and they just got to look about them. They know their team. Come on, bunt the ball, hit and run. Be a little creative, man. Don't just wait and wait. Do something. There are things you could do. And that's why fans are kind of like really frustrated with him. I mean, Girardi, he had a long run. He was a little tightly wound. They wanted a fresh voice. I liked Aaron Boone at the beginning. I was like, yeah, you know, I thought he might be good for this team. And he kind of, at the beginning, it seemed okay, but it hasn't gone in a good direction for him. But he also has been dealt a team that's very limited very one note team you know and um they are what they are so you know we got to be realistic we got to be realistic and maybe maybe it's time for some big changes including him bill parcell said it all the time nick you are what your record says you are the yankees are as we tape this here on a sunday night they're 40 and 37 now before we let you go i know back in the day when we when i did my yes podcast we were talking about a pilot that you were heading to so is there anything you're working on filming a pilot a movie can you tell us anything? Can you promote anything that you're doing right now? Yeah, the pilot is actually uh, it's actually getting close. It's called Band of Idiots. It's been a long haul, but we're getting close. Maybe Netflix is interested, so let's hope. I just did a little movie in Chicago called uh, The Crusaders. It was about a bunch of high school kids, and I played a wild wrestling coach. You know, not a real stretch, but I did go a little crazy. <laughs> you know, I was probably a born coach deep down, you know what I mean? But I'd be a good rah-rah guy. Yeah, Band of Idiots, yeah. I, I wrote it. And my son and my brother John might direct the pilot. So it's basically about all these high school kids and me, like a guy that never wanted to grow up, you know, pretty close to the home. And uh, he's sort of a, you know, a giant kid who thinks he's one of the teenagers. Sort of like what happened here. Yeah, I mean, I, I hung out with them. I thought I was part of the wild pack. It's funny as hell. And um, if we get a shot, I think it'll it'll make some noise. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to do a, uh, a documentary too on a great Yankee, but it's like, you know, people don't want to, they don't want to, they don't care. You know, this guy, Joe Pepitone. You haven't found a great Yankee yet, so that's having a hard time. Well, he's an old one, Joe Pepitone. So, you know, he's, but. He's, oh, you are? You yeah, haven't been able to find him? Yeah, no, I found him. He's alive. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Actually, if you've never read his book, it's fantastic. It's one of the best baseball books 
It's been reviewed by, you know, that, you know, people don't know about. It's called Joe, You Could Have Made Us Proud. And basically, you know, he had it all. He came up in Brooklyn and he played it with Mickey Mantle and all these guys and the wise guys were around him. And, and then he like threw it all the way. He went to the Cubs in the early 70s and he kind of went out of control and George Steinbrenner like bailed him out. I mean, you know, he was doing blow and all these things. It is a good story. And Joe is quite a character. He's had a wild life. And uh, the documentary deserves a look because, I mean, you know, the guy is, when you say his name, people are like, yeah, Joe Pepitone. I know that guy, and it'd be interesting, you know. I like the other story too, the uh, the Fritz Peterson uh, Kekage uh, wipe swap thing. I I love that one. That, I heard that Affleck was thinking about that as, a, but he's not even a Yankee fan. I'm like, why is he looking into that? He's a Red Sox fan. Uh, Mike Kekage and Peterson, that would that would be something as a movie or something, or maybe even a documentary. I mean, they swapped dogs, wives, the whole Everything. family, you name it, Lives. the whole family. Yeah. Lives. They they swapped. Imagine that. Like, how did it happen? Like, how did were they having a were they having a moment? Were, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, like, who thinks about like that? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, like, wow. Fritz is still with his girl, right? But they, the lady, yeah. You wonder, like, you know, I mean, that's that's wild stuff. But that's the seventies, man. <laughs> There's nothing like the seventies. The seventies was the greatest. The greatest uniforms. The greatest team. My favorite ever of baseball. You know, I mean, the swinging A's, the Yankees. It was great. The Pirates. You could go down. A, There's nothing like the seventies. The seventies was like. I went to the 77 All-Star game at, at Yankee Stadium. That was tremendous. And so many stars in that game. Unbelievable. Joe Morgan, Jim Palmer, Pete Rose, Dave Parker. That was baseball. These guys today, it's like, you know, they, they're a little watered down for my taste. The swing and A's could have gone another way. Uh, well, <laughs> they looked like the village people, the swing and A's. They all, had, they all had mustaches. They all had mustaches, man. They were the cool, That's the coolest uniform. Oh, man, I'm obsessed with the Oakland A's. The uni- I was giving them a little love, so they wrote an article. Like, well, uh, Totoro is complimenting the A's. I'm like, I compliment them because I like their manager. I like the way they play. They're, they're fun to root for. You know, I'm not an Oakland A fan, but I'm going to call a spade a spade. You know what I mean? I mean, they play a good brand, and, and I like Melvin. Melvin is a good manager, man. He's done, he's done a really good job. Yeah, he has. They well, play baseball. Listen, man, they play baseball, but let's not, you know, listen, the reality is staring us in the face, and I'm not getting my hopes up, but I'm hoping something, something happens to make this year somewhat interesting. We're, we're hoping too, Nick. It's Nick Taturo. You could follow him on Twitter, at Nick Taturo one Blue Bloods, NYPD Blue, which was one of the best shows ever made on network television and the remake of The Longest Yard which I could watch on repeat for crying out loud with you and Sandler and Chris Rock. Just unbelievable. The cast in that movie was tremendous. Nick Turturro, we thank you as always for coming on brother. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. That says goodnight to the episode 65, the Phil Hughes edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Please dive into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating, write in a positive review. We do appreciate it. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We're back on Thursday as we look ahead to round one of the Subway Series and hopefully our producer, Jake Brown, getting a manicure. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for listening, everyone, to the Pinstripe Pod.